we have experienced for the time that I've lived in the Central Valley and the time that I lived in California, we have experienced a drought. We've been a part of a drought for such a long time. Uh, many of us have longed for rain. Many who are in the farming industry particularly have longed for rain or somehow connected with that industry. And God has provided a deluge of rain over the last several weeks in the Central Valley. Many are declaring that their drought is now over, but there's not just above ground reservoirs that need to be filled. There's also underneath the ground reservoirs that must be filled before the drought is over. I am excited to tell you that what God is doing in the physical is oftentimes representative of what God is doing in the spiritual realm. And so today is not a patty cake kindergarten day at church. Today is a day that I'm asking you to go deep with me into God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, and see what the spirit of the living God would be speaking to you. You came in here with a bunch of crud. I know you did. Everybody has. You're, you think you're the only one? You're not the only one. But the good news is you're not alone in the fact that you came in here with some stuff. The Lord is going to work with you in and through your stuff. But dial in to the Lord. Lean in to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith this morning, and see what he does with his miraculous ability. John chapter 7 is where I want to start today. John chapter 7, let me kind of give you an indicator of what's going on. Jesus and his posse, his disciples, are going to a festival. They're trying to get Jesus to go to this party, this week-long party called the Festival of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is a Jewish festival that is celebrated by the entire community. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to go to this party. You guys go to the party. I don't want to go to the party. It's not my time to kind of be revealed. And they're like, well, all right, whatever. We're going to go to the party. So they go to the party, and Jesus stays back. Halfway through of the week, Jesus ends up sneaking into the party, showing up. That was his plan. And he uh, sees the temple. He can't see the temple without actually teaching the word because he is the word, right? He is the beginning and the end. And, and so Jesus begins to teach, and he ticks off the Jewish leaders. That's just what he does when he teaches because he tries to, he's fulfilling the word uh, because he is the word, and they're frustrated by that because they're kind of getting debunked and dethroned because uh, their order of all of their life is being interrupted. So Jesus irritates the people, and then he continues on through the week with his disciples, and on the last day of this festival, this festival environment, the people of God, the, the children of Israel, the Israelites, pray. And part of this festival is they agree together and they pray to God, they bombard heaven for rain, that God would send rain, that God would send uh, liquid from heaven. And we have to understand why they're doing this, because in the Middle East, in Israel, in that part of the world, it is a Mediterranean climate. That Mediterranean climate, though, is a place where water is scarce. The soil is rich, but water is scarce. The soil is rich, but water is scarce. I talked to Jim, a friend of mine who's a, a major almond farmer in the area, and he told me, he said, Pastor, we live in a Mediterranean climate. The Central Valley is, is the breadbasket of the world because 
because of its rich soil. But its rich soil does absolutely no good if it is not mixed with water. The challenge with the rich, robust soil that we have that produces two, three, four, and five harvests a year. I come from the state of Iowa. There's only one harvest a year there. Here, there's three, four, and five harvests a year from the same soil because it's so rich with nutrients in this Mediterranean climate. We live in a wonderful part of the world, and I think many of us take that for granted. The soil is rich here, but it needs water. And for the last dozen years or so, we've been lacking the water. Water has been scarce. You don't have to drive very far down the five as you drive toward LA and you look at all the brown, desolate, kind of barren kind of land that's out there because there's no water. But where the river flows, there is lush vegetation. It's, it's the same in the Mediterranean that Jesus was talking about in that climate, and it's the same here. And it was at this culmination of this festival where the people are agreeing together and they're praying to God, send the rain. We need the rain because where there's rain, the soil gets the water and the soil begins to produce the food that sustains life. And it's at this point as they're praying for rain to God, not knowing that God stands before them right now, Jesus stands up, <coughs> clears his throat Verse number 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus had not yet died. He had not yet been buried. He did not yet rise from the dead, and he did not yet ascend into heaven, thereby leaving us the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying to them, listen, you guys need to understand, if you're thirsty, you come to me and drink. You're praying right now that we would send rain that might last you for a season. I'll give you water that's going to last you for an eternity. In fact, that water isn't just going to be for you. It's going to be for your children and your children's children and everybody you come in contact with. The rivers of living water will flow out of you, Jesus is saying. Now, I want you to remember this because we're going to come back to this full circle in just a few minutes. But what the Lord showed me was an Old Testament prophecy by an old man. And it's found in the book of Ezekiel. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm going to read to you the 12 verses of this prophecy, and then I'm going to unpack it so we understand, hopefully, a little bit better. Y'all with me? Say yes. yes. Remember, this is a prophecy, a prophecy. It's a, it's a vision, excuse me, that was received by the prophet Ezekiel. It's a vision. It's not really happening, but it's, think of it this way. It's almost like an outer body experience where he sees himself in a story. Y'all with that? The man, that's the angel, brought me back to the entrance of the temple. By the way, the temple has not been built. So it's a vision he's having. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple. Toward the east, for the temple faced the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. 
As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hands, he measured off a thousand cubits, like 1,700 feet. And then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, 1,700 feet, and led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Jordan Valley or Areba where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there, there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engadi to Englame, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing, says the word of the Lord. It started with a trickle. What's that? Old man Ezekiel wonders. He didn't even see it at first because his eyesight is challenged at this stage in his life. And the angel gets his attention and points to it. And the prophet bends down to take a closer look. Sure enough, the temple sprung a leak. There must be a plumbing problem in the temple. There can't be a plumbing problem in the temple because there were no plumbing in the temple, right? There was no plumbing at that point. But how could this be? It was unmistakable, though, that the flow of water was leaking from underneath the threshold of the door that goes into the church, into the temple. The angel then led him to show him exactly where the water was coming from. It was coming from inside the sanctuary. It was coming from right in here and it flowed outside the door and it flowed down the steps ezekiel had been a prophet for a long time i mean this guy was older and in fact his entire ministry his entire life he wanted to get a vision from god of how one day one day the temple would be restored and and what was he getting a vision finally of that temple being restored well he wanted to see but Ezekiel had not expected to see this, a church with spilling water down the stairs and out into the city streets. Then it happened. The angel led old man Ezekiel into the water. And Ezekiel went into the water. It was a steady stream, and it came up to his ankles. And the angel led him a, a little bit further, and he shuffled along to the point that he had to hike up his tunic a little bit because, because now it was knee deep. And then the angel led him a little bit further along, and he found himself waist deep in this rapidly rising current of water that was flowing from within the sanctuary of the temple of the church. Now, let me remind you, this makes no sense to Ezekiel whatsoever. I mean, if it makes sense to you, 
I don't know why. But it makes no sense to him because rivers, number one, don't flow out of churches. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Number two, it, rivers do not become wider and deeper as they flow unless they come into contact with another water source along the way and they join along with another stream or another river or some sort of tree. They, 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 don't, they don't become wider and they don't become deeper. Because why? Because as water flows, some of it dissipates into the ground. And so it should become shallower and narrower as it goes. But not this one. This was a crazy river flowing from the church and then it happened. The, the churning water swirled around Ezekiel's body so much that the current became so strong that old man Ezekiel began to panic as the current threatened to pull him downstream. I can, I'm sure he yelled, Lord, help me. And the angel of the Lord reached down and plucks him from the water and plants him safely on the riverbank. And then as we already read in verse number six, he asks him a question, son of man, do you see this? In other words, dude, are you getting this? Are you, is this registering in your head? Do you understand what's happening here? And I'm pretty sure Ezekiel wanted to understand what was happening there. You ever wanted to understand what was going on? Like, like maybe your spouse tells you something and you're like, and they're like, are you getting this? And you're like, I want to get it. I really want to get it, but I'm not really getting it. That's probably how it was to him. I don't fully understand what's going on here. So I don't know if the angel's like, does this? I'm not sure what happened. But then Ezekiel turns and he takes his old man eyes and he squints and he peers down the way and he sees in the distance that the river was transforming everything that it encountered. Fruit trees were now flourishing along the riverbank and it happened that fast. Schools of fish were swarming in the waters. There were no fish because there was no river, right? There's just fish appeared. And now there's schools of fish that are swimming in. There must have been, it must have been crystal clear water for that old man to see those schools of fish swimming in the water as the river was flowing. What a vision. Ezekiel became astonished, astonished to the point that he, when he saw the river pouring in to the dead, it's called the Dead Sea because it's dead, right? There's so much salt in that Dead Sea that nothing can survive. Even creatures that survive in the ocean cannot survive in the Dead Sea. It's a proven fact. It's dead. There's no living organisms in it. It's, the salt content is so high, they say it's almost impossible for a human being to drown in the Dead Sea because you're just so buoyant. You'll just float to the, all you got to do is turn over and breathe, I guess, right? I guess if you're face down, you're stupid, right? But, but turn over because it's so salty in the Dead Sea. But what happened, what Ezekiel saw in this vision was a miracle. When you combine fresh water with salt water, the fresh water becomes salty. When you combine fresh water with salt water, the salt water doesn't become fresh. And in this case, what was happening was the Dead Sea was churning and it was gurgling as that brackish water transformed into pure, crystal clear, fresh water that was now teeming with new life. And at this point, Ezekiel's heart was just kind of leaping as he watched the river saturate the city. He watched the river saturate the countryside. Whatever the water touched was healed, was blessed, 
and sprang to new life. <laughs> what a vision. What a vision for Ezekiel's day and a vision for our day as well. Three, three takeaways. Nothing fancy about this, just three takeaways. Quickly, I'd like to share with you from this vision. Number one, God often starts with a trickle. I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what's going on in your life. Some of you I do, and I probably don't even know the extent. You might feel like what you need from God is to turn on the, the open up the fire hydrant. You need his his presence that much in your life. And you feel like all you're getting is a, one of those drinking fountains that doesn't even squirt it up a, you know, about that far. And you get, you're like, I don't want to, you know, um, you, you're just getting a little. It's just a trickle. And it's a little frustrating to you because you feel like you need more of God in this area of your life. Or you need God to do something, to perform for you, to help you. And it doesn't feel like it's happening at your pace. I understand. I'm a church planner, and I realize that slow beginnings, they're not necessarily a curse. Slow beginnings aren't even necessarily a test, but slow beginnings, a trickle, can be a blessing in your life because that's when we learn to increase our dependency upon God's supernatural provision in those times. So if you feel like it's just a trickle right now and you need more, maybe God is developing you because then when breakthrough does come, I said when breakthrough does come because breakthrough is going to come in your life. It, it, I declare it over your life. It is going to come in your circumstance, but when it does come, there's no question that it's not you. It's all God. Amen. So sometimes God starts with a trickle. Number two, Jesus is instructing us to go deeper Luke, Luke's gospel, chapter five. I, I'm so excited about the connection that I feel like I've understood through the scriptures this week. We come to summarize, Jesus um, had been teaching the people. Jesus, uh, in his ministry, had been teaching the people. And the big crowd gathered, and there was no amplification, no microphones in that day. And so Jesus was by the water side, and he realized, I need to go out on the boat. Because if I get on the boat a little bit, and I move out in the water, the, my voice is going to echo across the water. So um, there's uh, some fishermen that are on the side that had just come in from fishing all night long, and they had a terrible night. They didn't catch one, not one fish. These are professional fishermen. They know what they're doing, right? They've, they've got their, um, their masters in fishing, right? They've learned, the, they've learned the skill. They know the weather. They know the smell. They know the time of the day. They know the best places and the best fishing holes. And then Jesus uh, says something to them, and let's check out what he says in chapter 5, verse number 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who's Peter, he said, um, put out into deep water and, uh, and, and, and let let the nets down for a catch. So Jesus had gone out on their boat. He had preached because they took him out on the boat a little bit. And then we were done preaching. They're exhausted. They're, they're done. You ever been that way? You're not only are you tired, but you're defeated. That's how they felt. And so Jesus is like, okay, so I'm done preaching now. You guys are done fishing all night long. So why don't we go out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch? Um, well, first of all, uh, if I was Peter, if I was Simon, I'd be like, 
Mm, I don't think so. Who do you think you are there? You're a rabbi. You're a teacher. I'm a fisherman. Stay in your lane, Jesus, right? You just do your thing. I let you use my boat as your little stage thing. But right now, I'm the fisherman, and I've, I have a feeling that he probably felt a little sassy, like some of you feel a little sassy sometimes when you're hurt, angry, lonely, and tired. That's how, how Peter felt, right? I think that they were fully human, weren't they? And so, so, so Peter answers him. He says, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I think there was a pause there. We were to listen, listen, Jesus, Jesus, buddy. We've worked hard all night long and we've not caught nothing. And it kind of gives him a look like, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't know what Jesus did back between these sentences, but I have a feeling Jesus gave him the look, right? And, and from that, then he says, but because you say so, I will go let the nets down, right? I'll, 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 I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, come over here, help me. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now my point in this story is, is Jesus told them to do something that was counterintuitive. He told them to do something that isn't smart. He, he, you don't fish in deep waters. You fish in shallow waters where there's shade and protection for the fish, oftentimes in those underground, what are those things called? The, help me out, those things that are over covered and over, people that snorkel down on those things, what are those things called? Yeah, there you go, coral, right. So, so those are in the shallower waters. And, and, that, and that the fishermen knew this, especially in the sea area that they were at. Jesus said, no, I want you to go deeper. I think Jesus is inviting us to go deeper. Everything in the Bible is there for a purpose. Even the phrase, he told them to go deeper. It's, if it's not necessary, it's not going to be in there. But it's in there for a reason. And he told them to do something that was counterintuitive that didn't make sense to them. We have a lot going on as a church. I mean, we have a, we have a lot. I've had people that are well-intended. They really care. Say, eh, we're going to kind of slow down a little bit. Um, we're going to kind of focus on, on a few things for a little while. Um, and I'm like, well, yeah, if that's what the Lord wants us to do, that's what we will do. But, but that doesn't seem to be my life, right? It's like we're, it seems like the Lord is always giving us more things to do. Let me give you an example. We, um, um, we uh, bought some tiny homes because we had a little piece of property at our Modesto campus. And we bought uh, some tiny homes and put them out there. And uh, they're, when I say tiny, they're tiny. They're 160 square feet, right? They're tiny homes, little homes. Not for little people, but they're little homes. They're just, they're like, um, but they're, they're little homes. I, I, if there was a way to go back, I'd hit reverse right now, and I apologize. Um, we, can't, we, we, we can't not do this because the Lord told us to. So we bought them, put them out there. Um, and we thought we were going to use them for maybe people that wanted to be interns and stuff that were maybe exiting out of mom and dad's house and transitioning into housing. And they want, we thought maybe, but we, we knew that the Lord told us to. We just weren't sure what the purpose was. We have a purpose. Addiction in our culture is rampant. I mean, it's rampant. It's, it's, um, yeah, I think it's only going to get worse as time continues on. So we need to do something productive. We've, we've got a counseling ministry that is thriving, and if you need help, we'll help you in whatever area it is. We also have the Bright Side of Broken ministry, which is our recovery ministry, that some people, even in this room, have not yet taken advantage of. Even though you're struggling with some addiction in your life, we want to help you. There's confidentiality. There's no questions asked. It's absolutely free to attend those groups and to be part of that ministry. Um, 
There's even individual counseling sessions we offer to people uh, that are in recovery. We try to help. We've got all these resources, but, but it seemed to me that the Lord was saying, go deeper. Go deeper. What does that mean, Lord? Well, we decided, um, Everett and myself, the director at the Dream Center, decided that we would, we would try to go a little bit deeper. And so the Lord inspired me to create a new ministry at our church called High Level Healing. High Level Healing is a residential program for people that are already sober. Not people that are trying to get sober, but people that are already sober, but they're struggling to stay that way. And if they need a break from life, could still work their job, but they need a break from life, oftentimes it's a time where the family has said, you're gonna have to get out because it's not working here. Um, and so we provide for them a residence to be able to live in, all the programming. Um, we provide for them uh, groups they can attend, counseling. They get to serve the Lord, ministry opportunities, Bible studies, prayer meetings, accountability, Bible reading, uh, inspections, all that stuff to hold people accountable and to help them. We help them when they go back to their job because you can't not have a job in life, right? But when you go back to your job, not to fall back into those old relationships again. And they stay there until they're ready, until they're ready. How long? Well, until they're ready, whatever that means. We'll figure it out. We're going deeper. So now we can house three to six adults at our tiny home community that are in a high-level healing recovery program that are really desperate to get healthy, and you are a part of that because God has instructed our church to go deeper. You're like, well, it's not here at Lathrop. Don't think of Lathrop and Modesto and Stockton. Don't think of us different. We're the same church. We just happen to have different resources and different facilities. What, we need your help. And if you want to help, great. The Lord is going to provide. But in order to finish this project and make sure we can re finish retrofitting that portion of our campus to do this ministry with the, with the, the things that we need in place, uh, fencing and so forth, it's got to be a secure place, cameras and all that kind of stuff to hold everybody accountable. We need, we're, we're shy, about $15,000. I just say it not because I'm doing a fundraiser, but because I know that the Lord is going to somehow provide that. I know he will. If you want to be a part of that or you want to underwrite it, you can do that. But we are going to help three, four, five, or six people at a time. Imagine how many families can be saved. Imagine how many people's lives can be put back together again. Jesus said to go deeper, and I'm trying to obey. But we all need to rally together in this obedience. Go deeper. Jesus, go out into deep water. Okay, Jesus, we'll do it. Sometimes it starts with a trickle. Sometimes Jesus says to go deeper. Number three, the Holy Spirit is flowing, is powerfully flowing beneath the surface. Anybody ever watch Finding Nemo? Yeah, anybody a fan, Finding Nemo? One, thank you, Ashley. Everybody else, whatever. I'm explain the movie to you, I guess. Um, <laughs> fi fi Finding Nemo is a classic movie. It's a spiritual movie, in my opinion, right? You can find Jesus in this movie. But anyway, when Nemo, the fish, goes missing, dad wants to find him. The father wants the son to come home. When, when the fish goes missing, when Nemo goes missing, dad and Dory go searching to see if they can find him. Nemo was last swimming, seen swimming south, and they don't know what to do until they meet a stoner fish, right, by the name of Crush. Well, why don't you just, why don't you just watch what I'm talking about on the screen?
I know, you want to watch the rest of the movie. I get it, I get it. The Eastern Australian current is a real current in the ocean. It is a current that is underground, and it is uh, approximately 62 miles wide, so it's a big current, and it goes down to the depth of nearly a mile. Now, ocean ocean, uh, uh, freighters that go across the top of the surface won't catch the current. The current is underneath the surface of the ocean. And it goes along the east coast of Australia, along the, the south side of the Great Barrier Reef. It flows not quite as fast as the Audubon, like they showed on the cartoon, but it flows really quickly. Fish and various aquatic life can catch it and go seven kilometers per hour, which is pretty fast in a current. It moves approximately 40 million cubic meters of water every single second. An Olympic-sized swimming pool, you can imagine that, right? That's probably about the size of this room, give or take. An Olympic-sized swimming pool, now imagine 960,000, just shy of a million, Olympic swimming pools. That's how much water is being moved every minute by this Eastern Australian current underneath the surface of the sea. You can't see it, but it flows with tremendous power. And just the same, the current of the Holy Spirit is flowing underneath your family, underneath your needs, underneath your calling, underneath your circumstances, and underneath your life. Don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about being lazy and and catching this thing and not having to participate and sitting back and just drifting along. I challenge our church family to look at where the Holy Spirit is moving and take a risk. What I'm challenging us to do today is not to take a 20-mile-per-hour Sunday stroll in your automobile. That's not what the Lord is calling us as a church family to do. Are y'all with me? Instead, this is a thrilling ride that has hazards along the way with sharp turns and steep drops. But believe me, it's worth it. Spoiler alert, if you've not seen Finding Nemo and now you want to go home and uh, take some time to go to Blockbuster and rent the VHS to put it in your... (laughs) Nemo's dad and Dory rode the Eastern Australian Current all the way to Sydney so that he could find his lost son. Let us follow the current and the flow of the Holy Spirit and rescue people who are ensnared in sin and in pain in their lives. I would like to conclude by taking you to the book of Acts, chapter 2 in the New Testament. And in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read to you just a few verses starting in verse number 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, stop. Do you ever wonder, where did he stand up? I mean, where? I try to ask questions and I get stuck. That's why I'm not about quantity, but quality in reading God's word. Where? Where's he standing up? Let me paint a picture for you. Peter is standing after he preached on the day of Pentecost for 3,000 people got saved and were getting baptized. Peter was standing up on the eastern steps of the tabernacle, of, of of, of the temple. Peter was standing on the same steps that some 1,500 years earlier, Ezekiel had a vision. 
as an old man. And he saw water flowing down the steps of the temple. And now Peter is standing on those steps and thousands of people, are you with me today, are getting saved. He stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. People are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I want to take you to the end of his message after he preaches the message to all the way to verse number 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The very first verse, we see Peter standing and he's standing, he's standing on the same steps that was prophesied through the vision of Ezekiel over a thousand years before that. And at the very end, the very last verse, 3,000 people were baptized in, where were they baptized? There was no such thing as baptism before that. I mean, there was baptism in John's baptism, but there wasn't formal baptism at this point. So where were they baptized? People said, well, in the river. There was no river there. They were baptized in the mikvahs. What were the mikvahs? The mikvahs were these ceremonial bathtubs, ceremonial bathtubs that were built right there at the temple. Why? Because the Jewish culture said you had to be ceremonially clean before you go into the presence of God. Oh, that's wrong. You can be as dirty and as filthy as you, you can enter into the presence of God and he will never say no to you. He will welcome you with open arms. That's the God that we serve. And so Jesus has instructed them to go deeper. He baptized them with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches the word. And now, now we're at this place where they've got to be baptized after they get saved. I got an idea. Peter says, or somebody says, let's baptize them in the mikvahs. The mikvahs were intended to be this ceremony you had to go through. This is, we're going to redeem those baptism tanks, uh, those ceremonial tanks, and we're going to turn them into baptism tanks. Can you imagine the logistics of that? Larry, can you imagine the logistics? You help us set up the, the tank and the heater and the whole nine yards, and we're baptizing five or six, seven, eight people. We baptized last night again in, in Modesto. Um, uh, the, but 3,000 people impromptu, right? I didn't plan this. Well, I get, come on around, guys, line up. We're just baptizing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're baptized. We baptize. I imagine there's a lot of splashing going on when they're baptizing the people in those ceremonial bath tanks in, in those mikvahs. And water was probably beginning to trickle down the steps. Something was beginning to happen. This is the birthday of the church. There was no church in Jesus' time. There was no church in the Old Testament. There, there was a group of people, but there was no church. There was no family of God in Jesus' name because there had been no Jesus that had come yet. Jesus came, he taught, he suffered, he died on the cross. He, he went to the tomb, he rose three days later. 
Some 40 days later, he ascended into heaven. He told the people that were there when he ascended and there were about 500 people there that day. 500 people, the Bible says that. 500 people were there that day. He's like, go and wait uh, and, and pray. Wait for the gift my Father promised you. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then we read in Acts chapter chapter one, chapter two, that though there was 120 people in that upper room praying. Where'd the 380 people go? Bunch of putzes, right? You had an opportunity to experience this, but they didn't follow through. So it started, the church started with a trickle. Started with 120 people, and something happened in that prayer meeting. God dropped the Spirit of God, and the waters began to break loose. He baptized them in the Holy Spirit. Immersed them is what baptized means. Immersed them in the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of them being immersed in the Holy Spirit was they began to speak in other tongues, in languages that they weren't familiar with, that they did not know. They began to speak in these other tongues, and they felt the endowment and the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. But you know what happens is when we get into this spiritual moment and atmosphere, we tend to want to stay there, don't we? Man, I just don't want to leave. I just don't want to go anywhere. But that's not what they did. Jesus instructed them to go deeper. So they left the upper room full of the Holy Spirit, and they began to continue to, to speak their heavenly language. And they began to be looked at as nut jobs as weirdos, as people that, I don't know what the heck you're doing. And Peter began to preach. It gave him an, an audience to explain to them what's going on. He shared with them the good news of the gospel. And the Bible says 3,000 people got saved that very day. Keep in mind, this was the festival of Pentecost. So there were people coming from all different lands, countryside, nations, cities, all around. They heard the message. They were part of that 3,000 people that got saved that day and they couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand to just get saved. They also had to be baptized. You know, there's a difference between praying the prayer and actually getting saved. There's something that happens inside of you that you can't hold it back. It's not just a part of me, it's who I am. It is my identity. I am a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, grafted into the vine. I have royalty flowing through my veins. Jesus instructed them to go deeper. And so the water began to flow out of the temple, but it wasn't water in its physical realm. It was water in the spiritual realm. The people began to flow out of the temple. And as they flew, uh, went out of the temple, oh, it started with a trickle, ankle deep. It became knee deep. It became waist deep. And, but here's the deal. They encountered something along the way. And if you continue reading the book of Acts, what you'll read is these guys got bullied. They talk about persecution. It, it seemed it was really, really, really hard in the hostile world that they lived. They were executed, they were tormented, they lost family relationships, all because they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. It was like almost against the law in some parts of the then known world. They were under great hostility. But the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was powerfully flowing beneath the surface, sustaining them, keeping them, strengthening them, leading them, guiding them, and the church grew. The church grew into the city, it grew into the region, it grew into the nation, and it grew into, let me tell you what, you wanna know why this book is still the, the world's bestseller of all time? And by the way, as long as time continues, it will continue to be the bestseller of all time because this is the only book that is alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It will lead you into all truth and all righteousness. Their ministry became this rapidly rising current 
ankles, knees, waist, and it flows still today. Guys, it's, it's, it's raining. It's, it's raining outside. And, and I see this as your pastor, your under shepherd, your friend. Somebody's walking this walk with you, many of you, and some of you have yet to allow us to walk the walk with you. I hope you'll start today. We really, really care about you. Really want to see God do the best in your life. And we want to see you yield to God. We need water. Water isn't just essential for life. Water is life. 60, for what it's worth, 60% of your body is water. If you have an infant, we have two uh, new granddaughters. 75% of an infant's body is water. Your brain, your heart, your brain and your heart composed of 73% water. Your lungs are 83% water. What, we're basically bags of water with about $2 worth of minerals inside. That's what we are, right? Walking around. The earth is the same. 71% of the earth's surface covered by water. And your soul is the same. If it is not saturated and hydrated by a life-giving faith in Jesus Christ, you will shrivel and you will die from a lack of living water. That's, oh, that's why. I told you I'd come back to this. That's why. That's why when Jesus was saying in John, remember at the festival, and uh, he's, <clears throat> and he cleared his throat. That's why Jesus said to the people, we're praying for rain. And he said to them in verse 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Because Jesus knew that living water represents the Holy Spirit of God. As Ezekiel prophesied, wherever the river flows, everything. What our church needs, what you need if you're a guest here today and the Lord brought you here, is we need the presence and power of the living Spirit of Almighty God to meet us and to encounter us in a powerful, dramatic manner. Some of you, in just a few moments as we begin to worship, are going to give your hearts to Jesus. Like of the 45 people last night in Modesto, 29 people committed or recommitted their lives to Christ baptisms were held some of you are going to yield your life to Jesus some of you some of you though you already know Jesus and it's time for you to receive the power that he wants you to receive I am I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ what you are lacking in your life today could it be that God wants to do you with the same power that he did those 120 people in that upper room could it be that God wants to give you courage and boldness to face your circumstances, to face your fears, to face your anxieties, to face your struggles and your troubles, to face your depression, to face your anxiety, to face it all? Could it be that he's going to do you with power and that courage and that strength will not only sustain you, but it will bring you to a delivering place. It will bring you to a healing place to experience the healing virtue and power of the great and mighty God that we serve. Lord, right now, I pray that you would send the rain. We see the raindrops falling. We're grateful, God, that you're saturating our land, but what we want more than that, God, is we want our souls to be saturated. 
We want our spirits to be saturated. God, we need our minds and our hearts to be saturated with your presence. So I pray, come Holy Spirit. God, we need more of you in our lives. We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. We want the indwelling empowerment of the Spirit of the living God. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may not even really fully understand what it is I'm talking about, but I do know that God can do more teaching in a nanosecond than we can do in a lifetime. And so at this moment in time, I believe that God is drawing you closer to Him. If you're here this morning or online and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you're struggling and you're suffering, you need some answers, you don't know which direction to turn, you're hurting, you've got so much pain emotionally or spiritually or even physically in your body, and you need God to do something inside of you, the first step is to turn to God, completely turn to God. Give your life over to Him, not as a barter, not as a if-then statement. If you will heal me or if you'll take the pain away, then I will give you my life. But I'll give you my life regardless, and I'll trust you every step of the way, that you will heal me, that you will strengthen me, that you will encourage me. You need to give your life to Jesus, and He will never turn you down. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you said this morning on your way to church. It doesn't matter how cynical you've been sitting in your seat even today. Jesus loves you. He'll never stop pursuing you. He'll never give up on you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so if you need a relationship with God, we are not playing patty cake today. If you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to Him, completely, totally surrendering your life to Him as your Savior, as your Lord, then I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, we're not raising our hand today up and down. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Take a stand for Jesus. Are you ready for this? You're, you're, you're physically, your mind's going, I don't want to do that. I know you don't want to do that, but you need to do that. Time to surrender. The enemy wants to defeat you, but greater is He who is in you than he who is in this old world. One two, three. Stand up right now. Just stand up. Stand up a few feet. Don't hesitate. Just get up. Get up. Get up. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yes, God, we take a stand for you today. Mighty God, we take a stand for you today. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're standing up, just lift your hands both up to heaven right now. Nobody's looking at you. It's you and Jesus in this room. I want you to just right now begin to say, God, I love you. I am so sorry. Forgive me of all my sins. Come on, say that. Come into my heart. Change my life. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my old way of life, and I'm a new creature from this moment on. You take control of my life, Jesus. I surrender it all to you. I lift my hands and surrender even now. Jesus, you are my God, and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. Now there's something else that God wants to do in the house. That is the most important thing, is giving your life to Jesus. But the sustaining power of God is what so many of us need. We need God to help us. We need God to deliver us and to strengthen us. So we're gonna open up these altars and we're gonna pray for you. Some of you today need a healing touch from God. We're gonna pray that God would heal you. Some of you today need direction. You gotta know what you're gonna do, where you're gonna go, what how you're going to turn, what you're going to say. 
Some of you need direction. Some of you, though, you got relationship problems and you need God to heal you and heal your marriage and heal your child relationship and heal your parent relationship. You got a problem at work. Some of you, some of you need God to provide for you. Man, it's hard and it's getting harder. You need God to come through for you in a miraculous way. Some of you, you need the power of God in your life. You need God to endue you with power and we are not ashamed of this. We're gonna lean into this. If you would like God to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you die without the gift of the Holy Spirit, you still get to go to heaven. That's not the question. But I don't know about you, but I wanna leave the greatest imprint I can on the planet before I depart and get my gift in heaven. And so if you want God to use you in a powerful way, if you wanna open up his word like I do and, and, and have the word leap out to you in different ways and it become more alive to you than it is even now, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does in your life. If you want God to help you have courage that you didn't know you have, have words to say that you didn't realize you had words to say, then you need the power of the Holy Spirit in you. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's free for asking. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. God doesn't choose him and not him and her and not her. God says yes to everybody. We just have to receive. And so if you want this, there's only one way this thing is evidenced by, guys. It is by speaking in a heavenly language. That's the only evidence you see all throughout the book of Acts. And it's still real for today. I know that because just last night, more people received this special gift of being able to speak in their heavenly language. And you might not understand what that is. I believe God will teach you. We're happy to talk to you about it. But if you want more of God and you want him to endue you with power, then here's what we're going to do. You need healing. You need strength. You need direction. You need help. Then we want you to come to the altar. But if you need God's power, come to the altar. And we're going to pray for you today. I'm going to ask every elder and every pastor that is available that can pray with us today to come and pray for people at the altars today. And we're going to pray that God would reign supreme in his church. I realize we're over time a couple minutes, but can't you give God a few more minutes? I don't do this all the time, but today's a big day. Today's a special day. It is raining. Let it rain, God. Let it rain, God. Stand to your feet, would you please? We're going to worship God for a couple minutes. Come to these altars and let us pray for you today that God would touch you and strengthen you, empower you and deliver you. Come on. These altars are open. Come on down here. Stand down here. We'll pray for you today. You came in here with a need. Don't leave here with the same need. Let God do something in your life. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Say, man, if you want to go, I'll go with you. I'll take you. I'll pray for you. Come on now. Let's pray together. Let's see what God will do.
change of mindset in this room. I, I know in this room today that somebody's received the infilling of the Holy Spirit fresh and new. I, I know in this room that somebody's facing an impossible situation that has turned it over to you and yielded completely to you that now knows that what has been impossible in the physical realm is possible in the spiritual realm because of the God that we serve. I know, I know that in this room today that there's someone who's got a rekindled love for someone that they've had animosity towards, hatred towards. I know that in this room today, God, that there are miracles of all sorts that are taking place because I know that we serve a miracle-making, miracle-working God. I know, God, that you have only just begun. As the rain continues to pour, as the showers continue to come, as we receive the deluge of water in our current modern day, in the culture in which we live, in the external, God, would you let it rain in our spirits, in our hearts, and in our minds. God, may we be better parents. May we be better husbands. May we be better wives. May we be better grandparents. May we be better employers. May we be better employees. May we be better neighbors. May we be better schoolmates. God, may we be better in every area of life, not because of the strength that we possess, but because of the strength of God in and through us. God, we want to be different. Let it rain. The indwelling empowerment of your spirit, let it be made manifest in every arena of our lives. We pray this today in the awesome, anointed, holy, powerful, amazing name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree, would you say amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we have had a visitation from the Spirit of God today. And I expect that the visitation will continue in your homes, in your cars on the way home. I expect the visitation will continue in your workplaces tomorrow, that you have something to talk about, conversations to be held, that you'll be so excited about what God is doing in your life, not, not, not here or here, but in your life, in your heart, that you can't help but to become contagious as a follower of Jesus to people around you, that you'll share the good news, you'll invite people to come and join us on the journey as we go on the mission with Jesus here at New Life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. Next week, we got a special treat for you. Next week, I'll be running. Well, I say that in quotation marks. I'll be running the, the, the Modesto 10K on Sunday morning with my daughter, Tasha, who, who snickered me into doing this. And so we're, we're excited about spending that time together as we do this. She's probably going to run 20K by the time I'm done with 10K, but we're going to have a great time in the morning doing this thing together as a father and daughter. I'm going to film the message next Saturday evening in Modesto, and I'll preach to you from the screen. So you'll get the chance to see what they kind of oftentimes have seen. Uh, and I believe that the Lord is going to show up. Here's what we say every week, every week, as we do worship on the screen in Modesto. There were some almost 50 people in church on, on this last Saturday. It's, it's growing every single week. And we try to challenge them. If you can worship God from a screen, you can worship God anywhere. And I'm telling people are shouting and hollering and, and worshiping God from a screen. Now they get the same anointed worship team because you guys are so anointed, so powerful. It's amazing. But they're doing, you guys can worship with us in a special way next week. Somebody say amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God.